0: A moth, a moth a fluttering, a moth to the flame, to the flame fluttering, moth to the moth. To the
1: flame. I don't get it.
0: I don't get it. I love you. I love I love My name is Paul Blanoff. I am the arts editor of View Weekly, and I have seen very little dance in my life.
1: Uh, my name is Fonda Mithrush and I am uh, one of the arts writers at View Weekly. And I have seen a lot of dance and mm-hmm. done it, even once a long time ago.
0: <laughs> right. So, so you have a, a sense of, of dance and and the I guess the terms that go along with it and the the way to look at it. And I I do not I do not know these things.
1: It's really just a practice thing. You you know you'll learn.
0: Right. Right. And that's and that's sort of what this this podcast I don't get it is hopefully about. We're going to discuss an inherently. Visual medium in an inherently audio format. It's sort of um, um, a look at a look at dance and contemporary dance in Edmonton um, through both experience and innocence together at last um, <laughs> to try and see it from I guess both an outside eye and and a little bit of an inside eye at the same time to sort of make sense of it to a certain extent. Starting with. The Brian Webb Dance Company's 35th season. It was sort of a double header of, of programs, I guess. On, on one hand, we had sort of a, a pair of solos, both choreographed by Nicole Mian. Yeah. Um, and then in the second part of the show, we had a, a brand new work by, by Brian Webb himself. Um, not just the company, he often brings in other groups, but this was one by him. And his dance partner um, Nancy sandercock and and a number of other collaborators, but we'll we'll get to that in a minute.
1: Yes, yeah, so the Brian Webb dance company is uh, more of a presenter. Um, most of the kind of either international or from across Canada acts that we do see in Edmonton get brought in by either Brian Webb or something like Alberta ballet. So um, Brian Webb brought in Nicole from Calgary Nicole meon mm-hmm. she is from the springboards dance um, in Calgary and they which produces the fluid festival mm-hmm. yep um, so that's a really great dance festival out in Calgary if you ever get a chance to head down there right. and so she choreographed these two solos one was for male dancer James Nam um, and then the second one was for a female dancer named Justine chambers mm-hmm. and, and they were
0: they were packaged together as a, as a show called quiver um, and I, and I guess to, to start off the first one was was James's piece um, which was a uh, uh, how would you describe it, to start off, if we were just going to set the scene of what this dance was?
1: Uh, so I guess what we saw as as an audience, uh, James started out in this shard of light, which was mm-hmm. really, really beautiful because he was wearing this translucent raincoat. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, he looked quite androgynous the whole time. I couldn't really tell if it was him or Justine in the first one for a long time until he took off the hood for a moment. Um, but he was he was wearing this translucent jacket and because the the way that the light played with it, you could sort of see his body and then not really. And so when the light would shine through the, the coat, it just looked, it looked pretty great. Right, right. Mm-hmm.
0: And it started with, it, it seemed to to progress from sort of a place of, of a lot of extension and sort of changing your body from, from stretching sort of to a, a very maximal, he would stretch out his arms and clearly be... Doing very small movements, but just a, a very elongated body, I guess, would be a way of, of mm-hmm. putting that. And, and then he it would, had
1: that weird kind of downward dog crawl yeah. thing. That was, yeah, just very, very long body still. Mm-hmm. But In I my didn't.
0: mind, it was giraffical. Was the word? <laughs> it was just without the long neck, but just these sort of stilty arms and legs, and sort of this interesting go between between those two, I guess, states, mm-hmm. states of being and movement.
1: Yes, and he was—he's a very energetic performer as well. Really nice to watch. Just he kind of did a lot of pop locking a little bit, mm-hmm. and so small movements, but also really large extended movements. And he worked up a good sweat because when he took off that plastic raincoat, it was just dripping on stage. Yeah,
0: and I guess that was what was really interesting was the way that like that choice of costuming, which which sounds sort of like. I don't know. Almost arbitrary um, turned out to have such a significant impact on everything because it was sort of translucent. So even when he would make these little like pop and locks and, and motions, uh, he would you would it would be sort of distorted what you could see his body doing. And mm-hmm. so it was this really interesting sort of like outer shell, inner shell. Um, differential? I don't know, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah, like how, yeah, you could see when he would kind of pop a little bit, the the jacket would move. And so it would actually kind of like tent his body, Mm -hmm. Um, which it was just a very cool effect in costume choice. And it's sort of like the kind of clear plastic thing really played well into the second solo piece, Mm -hmm. um, which uh, the dancer used um, these really light clear plastic bags with fans um and it was a it was a pretty interesting visual effect um maybe be a little over the top with the bags but <laughs> there was
0: the, yeah um, it started off with sort of yeah these this the I guess the accommodation of, of fans being turned on and just the the sort of natural air or the air blowing through those being used to manipulate these bags and sort of da- her dancing and moving with these bags and, mm-hmm. and sort of then letting them go and sort of blowing them to a side of the stage with a fan and then and then increasingly um a sort of a number of bagged fans lined the back of the of the theater. And so as the as the piece went on, they were, they were eventually sort of turned on and, and more bags were, were introduced. Um, and it became less about her dancing with the bags and more just their presence, I think.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, she had a string attached to a few of them, which I thought, well, of course it allows her to manipulate it more, but I felt like any time that you were called to actually see the string, like she would pull it hard enough that it really moved the bag, I was like, it, the magic kind of... Fell a little bit. From yeah, it. there's there's mm-hmm. for
0: something like that. There's such an interesting like dynamic between like um, suspension of disbelief and and watching someone manipulate something on stage in the art of that, um, which which can be certainly like its own sort of magic when you can sort of admire how something goes through. But it, yeah, there was something that sort of like. Mm-hmm the chaotic nature of the bag when it was being just blown by air purely that was really the sort of exciting to see how she would manipulate that and work with that Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. and then when it was a little more obvious she was in control it it didn't it didn't I don't think had that same sort of um, punch or just like uh, evocative nature
1: And she did dance, she did put the bags over her head a few times, which is of course for anyone, you know, any human, you're taught since you're a child, Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to put bags, plastic bags on your head. So watching this dancer do it um, really kind of, you know, it sort of it was slightly jarring a little bit, but it was also just a really kind of calm thing. Um, she she wasn't making any like crazy sudden movements. Mm-hmm. She didn't make it look like she wanted it to look like she was in trouble.
0: Right. Yeah. It was, it was definitely mm-hmm. a choice and like a yeah. co- almost a costuming choice at that point to sort yeah, of like yeah. hide her face and her head and
1: mm-hmm. and just that whole kind of that that feeling of like suffocation and that just thinking about it, mm-hmm. as well as the the floating air and the bags, that actual breath of the bags really kind of with the fans because um, they, they kind of look like animals like they were breathing a little bit sometimes yeah. so I was thinking about that she's playing with this idea about breath and and you know suffocation basically and the movement of the air and I thought when she put the bag on her head I thought immediately of the raincoat and how he was so sweating and just trapped inside of it mm-hmm. um, so that was that kind of brought the two pieces together again for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. also
0: something we didn't bring up in the, the first piece is there was a, a musician on stage for, for both of them at the same time
1: yes yes um, Canadian musician his name is uh, Tariq? Tariq.
0: I yeah. think that's the pronunciation. He's a he's a member of Brass in Vancouver. He's also a, a CBC radio host. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was sort of playing live music to accompany these pieces. Um, he took up probably like maybe a quarter of the stage himself, and that was sort of had his own um, couple fans surrounding him. And and it was it was sort of a combination of guitar and and sort of. Uh, like i guess um, an effects pad that he seemed to be manipulating i wouldn't call it a keyboard, but he was throwing in a lot of different sounds and sort of giving a uh, a sense of uh, just uh, yeah sort of like atmosphere he was really he was really setting a lot of the atmosphere and that and the lighting um although it's always it's always interesting the um the idea of do you put the musician on stage with the the things that are going on or do you do you hide them off? Uh, off stage and so there were times when I was sort of distracted and, or my eyes would wander and get caught on him for a while and I watch the dance, which mm-hmm. is, yeah, interesting and uh, uh, yeah, just like sort of, uh, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, it's just a thing. Just it's a just the thing, a thing. Mm-hmm. it's a
1: choice for the dancer I guess to have the musician there on stage and I felt like he didn't really um especially the first piece they didn't talk to each other really at all like or they didn't have any interaction with each mm-hmm. other whereas in the second one he was actually helping her set up these fans and things so right. you, you kind of feel like even though he is actively doing music throughout the entire performance the second one I noticed him a lot more and I thought more about mm-hmm. uh, about what he was doing as he would like get up and sit right. down and it was and
0: it's yeah and that it almost felt like more of an active choice and and then, although that yeah, there were those sort of like stops that would happen in the second piece where they would stop and you know unveil a few more fans and, and change things. That would sort of be a lull in the actual performance. Although they, those weren't particularly long, and it was sort of interesting to see them set up and then and go from there.
1: So I guess I would ask you, as you know, that was though your two solos, your first, you know, your first shot. Oh boy, mm-hmm. the the pre-intermission, you know, <laughs> analysis. What 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 do you think, um, Mion was? was doing with these pieces.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's weird when I think of, I guess from my background, which is more rooted in theater, I was, I find myself drawing very literal interpretations to what's going on and trying to find almost a, almost a narrative, like a, a, st- a straight-up narrative, not even like an emotional arc, but just sort of like the story of what's going on here. And I feel like maybe that wasn't uh, that wasn't what was in either of these pieces. It was more about just watching this sort of like series of movement and and how it would grow and change, um, and and what it was exploring in in relation to these objects. It was working with in the first one. It was this jacket, this raincoat, um, and in the second one, it was these bags. And so I guess um, I found it. F- uh, I guess for me, I thought the the first piece in particular was. Um, um, successful in that, was very successful in, in holding my attention and the manipulation of, of this costume and and how he would sort of go from these different states and, and change. I found that just like even though there wasn't that that strict narrative which I, I found myself looking for even though I knew it probably wasn't there, um, I found that one was a lot more, I guess, uh, or it was very satisfying to watch. Mm-hmm. The other one was still satisfying, there were some interesting choices, but I feel like um, maybe the idea didn't quite um, resonate in the same way for me. Um, partly it was again sort of seeing the manipulation of these bags and sort of being it being very obvious at times and sometimes right at the end as well there was sort of a like a, a bag avalanche where a bunch <laughs> fell from uh, from before and there were so many more bags although they weren't necessarily used as much they were they were tethered to, to a spot and they sort of blew here and there so I guess I was looking for more dynamic use of those um mm-hmm. that would have maybe maybe made it more resonant for me in that case,
1: yeah, it felt like the bags were so they were so sparingly used, there was one bag and then maybe two or something. But so when all of them came down like that, it was like, you want bags, here's bags, here's every
0: bag, <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> right, so okay, well, um. You want to talk about the last one?
0: Yeah, let's let's move on now. So after the intermission was, was Brian Webb's piece itself, What Awaits Me. So coming from the outside, um, this is an improvisational dance he was doing. There were, there were sort of beats or, I guess, moments they were looking, they knew they were going to hit that, that Brian and, and Nancy Sandercock were, were going to hit. But within that and how they got between them was just sort of left to the dancers and the inspiration that, that happened. Um, they were also accompanied on stage with a string quartet and and there were some videos that came later but we'll get to those later uh... <laughs> it started with with silence which was ballsy uh, certainly ballsy there was maybe
1: a lot of silence <laughs> about
0: ten minutes before anything even really happened on stage people sort of slowly came out and and would sort of pause and linger at certain parts of the stage which was a scattering of of sort of chairs and then uh, the string quartet eventually took their places and 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 both Brian and Nancy came out and sort of lingered in different spots of the stage and then the music did start and, and they sort of began their movement.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, well, I actually feel that his piece had kind of more of a narrative and a stronger theme, um, at least more clear than the first two sure, pieces. Yeah. I felt like huge, huge feelings about the mentorship, sort of. He kind of had this mentor relationship with Nancy while they were dancing, and they there was even one point where they, he kind of walked around her in a circle with his hands on her mm-hmm. shoulders and then pushed her away like she was kind of going off on her own, how he's mentored a lot of these dancers so you could see how he's feeling about that and um that sort of thing
0: <laughs> but but yeah i i mean it was just it was it was it was um it was hard it was hard to watch at times because it was such an maybe that's inherent in the that sort of theme but there was so much of it that was internal the dancers weren't really providing much for the audience mm-hmm. to 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 take in and sort of um, be changed by or affected by the dance vocabulary. The sort of movements they do were were fairly small and and fairly repetitive, and didn't really grow or change very much in a, in a visible way.
1: They weren't even super virtuosic or anything. They weren't that interesting to watch. You know, you can see a lot of contemporary solo dance that is improvised but it's very, um, very big and energetic and the movement is very interesting and stunning to see but this was just not that at all.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And Like I, I do improv in a very different sense of the term. I do sort of comedy theater improv but I feel like knowing what what I do about improv and sort of seeing it in a dance setting, I still feel like you need to be able to give the audience something to to bring them in. If you want to go on this personal journey, that's that's that can be incredibly moving and, and effective. But you need to sort of find that way of hooking the audience. And so to start with silence and then not really change or, or give much of a an arc, Uh, that is very visible to the audience um, was, was, I found, very alienating as an audience member. I found I wasn't I, I kept, as a guy who doesn't know dance very well, I kept thinking I was missing something. Um,
1: <laughs> you definitely were not in this okay. one. I mean, I think I have seen, I have seen a lot of dance, and and generally, you know, I feel kind of like I'm pretty generous sometimes because I know that in Western culture we just generally look for narrative, and if there's mm-hmm. not clear, strong narrative, then we kind of like, you know, get a little bit uncomfortable. But this was this this was one of the hardest pieces to sit through. Really, um, it is a lot to ask of any audience member to sit in uh, 10 to 12 minutes of silence with very minimal movement or very and you know Mm -hmm. i mean and then
0: not to really have a, a payoff to that again the movement was very very basic there were a couple sort of recurring movements sandy uh or nancy sorry would do this sort of she would fall onto her roll onto her back and kick her legs up and and brian would sort of do this sort of he would I guess stretch his arms to the sky sort of as recurring moments throughout the show but but again that didn't really grow or change or build it just sort of circled those those moments mm-hmm. and then near near the end of the piece the video projections by Kyle Armstrong started which I guess gave sort of more of a narrative clarity to it, if anything, it sort of had these these silhouetted outlines of Brian slowly fading into to Nancy, which again sort of reinforced maybe that mentor mm-hmm. theme, and then also um, this video or this short segment of Brian Webb walking his his 90 year old mother down a hall and then leaving her and her sort of continuing on. I think the the idea being sort of her going off into the great beyond, um, and and that sort of idea, but. But again, I feel like we hadn't really been invited into that world enough to make that resonant. Um, there wasn't something to hook us in, in dance or movement that, that, to get us to that point so when we got to that point there wasn't it wasn't cathartic or, or much of a payoff for us at the audience
1: yeah yeah you didn't feel you just didn't feel engaged felt pretty detached throughout the whole thing because um, even even you know actually the string quartet was quite incredible I thought some of the mm-hmm. stuff they did they the, played was really interesting and weird sounds too they, they did a lot yeah, of weird things there was one mm-hmm.
0: one of the movements this was one of Beethoven's pieces and a movement had been totally removed and replaced with uh, a composition by David Wall, who's a musician who has worked with Brian Webb before, and it—it's sort of like certainly added a, a much more of a jarring element to, to what was going on but again it didn't seem to change the dance which you mm-hmm. know there wasn't that give or take that improv is usually based on in its foundation this sort of agreement that you know we're going to respond to each other's offers and, and explore this world together mm-hmm. it sort of seemed like a lot of things happening sort of in their own bubbles but never overlapping
1: I guess that's one of the things like that was sort of the most difficult about it is that it didn't, it didn't ask the audience like you know you can watch Improv, um, especially comedy improv, and you feel like they're asking you for <laughs> stuff, you know, and you feel engaged with it. And you can watch dance and feel that way too by like uh, r- having a movement resonate with you emotionally. But this one just—it didn't ask the audience anything. It just sort of presented itself, and and uh, I, some some people didn't like it. I think. No,
0: <laughs> yes, there were there were some walkouts, um, at least on Friday night, um, which was when we we were there. It was, uh, yeah. So I mean, I guess that was a challenging piece i feel like that was a hurdle
1: (laughs) i feel for your first one to to go all out and see like one of these um because really that's sort of um i guess the epitome of what's really challenging in getting audiences to um go to contemporary dances that they think it's gonna be like this, you know right. and really the, interpretive, cryptic thing that they don't care about in the end.
0: Right. And I feel like the the first half certainly was to an extent cryptic. Um again, if if you're sort of an audience that isn't trained for dance and looks for narrative, um, you know, there wasn't so much a narrative in the in the first two pieces in Quiver, but but they were still fascinating fascinating to watch and sort of evocative in mm-hmm. their own way because precisely the body language changed and grew and And more often we got to see this journey, even if it wasn't a a story journey, we still got to see um, a change happen, which is what audience... Uh, as an audience, you almost always want. That's what you inherently go to the theater for.
1: Yeah, well, and as you said before, as a visual form, you want to give them something to watch. Yeah. Well, we're going to send you to something a little bit different for the next one. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you're going to go see a Mile Zero salon called Spontaneous Combustion. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's about eight or nine different groups, I think, groups and or solos, duets, that kind of thing. Um, The Mile Zero salons are sort of like a mashup of a bunch of different artists who are uh, doing works in progress or new works and experimenting with those and the salons, um, also have a feedback component, right? So you can usually talk back and, and do a QA with the artists afterwards. So you're gonna go see that. Yes, There's gonna I'm be gonna some pretty cool people involved. That's on November 2nd at Looney Theatre. Um, and, and then I'm gonna ask you all the questions, right? Because
0: right. you're not gonna be there, you know. Because
1: I can't be there, unfortunately. Um, it's only one night only, so um, right. I would encourage all the listeners to go and catch it and then listen to the podcast afterwards and, and, right. <laughs> and see if what we see say is something that you dig. And
0: see if we got it this time. Yeah, maybe we'll get it
1: it next time.
0: Cool. Great. Well, goodbye. Bye.